morning, church. This morning we are continuing and finishing up our um, plowing through the letter of Ephesians. We have been spending a lot of time in Ephesians the last several weeks. Uh, Ephesians is uh, what is thought to be called an encyclical. And an encyclical is a letter that is passed around from church to church to church. So even though it says, dear friends in Ephesus, it was probably sent around to all the churches in the Asia Minor area so they could glean the wisdom and heard consistently what Paul was trying to get across. Now, for those of you who have not been with us the last couple of weeks, um, the first part of Ephesians is, is dealing with this whole notion of standing strong with God and understanding what this incredible gift of grace is. The second part of Ephesians, chapter 4 on, is, okay, now that we know what grace is and understand it, Paul, Paul says that changes the way we live in the world, and it changes our ethics, the way we behave and engage others. Today, Paul is finishing up his letter with a crescendo. He's saying, this is grace. Understand it. Because you understand it, live it. But because you're living the grace you understand, brothers and sisters, heads up. There are consequences. There are consequences to your decision to understand that grace and to live it out. So today I'm building my thoughts around the notion of truth and consequences. Because out of the truth, consequences emerge. And as you listen to the text, I invite you to see if you can hear what those consequences are that Paul is referring to. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, all the way through, ver or excuse me, verse 10, all the way through 20. If you've been around church, you've heard this before. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and have, having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore. Fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. As the shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which 
you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I may speak. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Did you catch the consequences of living that life out, the understanding of grace out in the world? Did you catch it? When I do premarital counseling with couples, I always, especially the younger couples that get married, um, they're, they're cute. They really are. You know, I'll ask them, is your life going to change when you get married? And inevitably they look at me, no! It's going to be the same. I know Johnny's parents. He knows they know me, and he knows, you know, my parents. And it, oh, nothing's going to change. And I smile. I just smile. And then I ask him, "Well, okay, where are you going to spend Christmas this year? Where are you going to spend Thanksgiving?" And they kind of look at each other and they say, "Well, we're going to spend Christmas with my family." What? I didn't know that. You didn't tell me. And they have this, this shock. You see, this makes counseling so much fun and interesting. I've used to learn a disarming question about the, where you're going to spend the holidays to teach the couple a little bit about family systems. The first thing I have the couple do, I want them to think different. So I'll tell Johnny, Johnny's the husband, Sally's the wife, up soon to be wife. I'll say, Johnny, you and your family are in this canoe, this boat over here. Your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, you're all in this boat. And Sally over here, you're in this canoe with your parents, and their grand, your grandparents, your siblings, and you both are in your canoes, and the, and the job and the purpose of marriage is you're getting out of each other's family's canoes and stepping into your brand new one, all yours. So, what happens when you stand up in a canoe? Have you ever stood up in a canoe? It's a lot of fun. Not. Especially a crowded canoe. What happens when you step into a step up in a canoe? Stand up in a canoe. What happens? It rocks. It rocks. So what I try to tell John and Sally is. When you get into your boat, what's going to happen? 
you're going to rock it. You're going to rock your family's boat over here, and you're going to rock your family's boat over here as you try to rock and put both of y'all in this middle boat. And, and, and what happens when someone stands up in the canoe? What's your first inkling? Sit down! Sit down! You're rocking the boat! Sit down, you're rocking the boat. So as each of the couple, each member of the couple gets out of their family's boat and get into their own, the family members will be saying, sit down. You see, mama doesn't want her beloved boy to stand up in her family canoe to go and get in a canoe with her. But she has already left her family's canoe and is sitting in the middle and now Johnny has to step gingerly over and both start moving and people are shouting, sit down, get back to your seat. Friends, think about that picture. If you were in that situation, You'd be holding on to the gun, the, the wall of that canoe, trying to stabilize it, telling everybody to sit down, relax. But I tell the family, this new couple, you've got to do it. Friends, starting a new family, starting a new ball team, starting a new job in a business, becoming a part of a new team. It causes people to shift in their seats. It causes people to shift in their seats. That's what happens when a young couple starts a marriage. They're thanking their family of origin, but they're starting a new one. And the forces rock uncomfortable changes in any system causes reaction throughout the whole system whether it's family churches when a marriage happens the boat rocks and people are telling you to sit down and do it the way I did it do it the way my father taught me we got a better boat. Families, God love them. Each of our families has its own degree of dysfunction baked right into it. And this dysfunction will try to keep everybody in their seat and prevent them from changing and moving and growing. There's that delicate time in a new marriage when the bride and groom are stepping out into their own vessel and all three boats are beginning to shimmy at once and the families are not aware of those realities, there will be a lot of hurt feelings in that marriage. And a lot of dysfunction will perpetuate itself. All of this to say, there's a whole lot going on in the bride and groom's lives than just having a lovely wedding ceremony, isn't there? There's a whole score of things happening behind the scenes. 
in the family dynamics of approvals or disapprovals. Their decision to get married creates consequences not only for Johnny and Sally as a couple, but for the whole family system. Friends, this is what Paul is trying to tell us today in our Scripture. This is what he's telling the church. He's telling us that when we learn the grace about Jesus, when we embrace that grace of Jesus and live it out in the world, then there will be consequences that we may not be aware of that are going around that we can't see. Changes that we're not aware of. Ripples that we have caused. And so Paul charges church, he says, be strong in the Lord. But why, Paul? Why? We got Jesus. And his answer is one that we may have a hard time hearing in this postmodern world of ours where we know a lot or think we do. But if we don't hear it, we it's to our own peril. You see, we are church to be strong in the Lord in order to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't like to talk about the devil. We Presbyterians don't do that. Uh-uh. Maybe some Southern Presbyterians, but we don't, we, we don't do that. Now before you go rolling your eyes and tune me out because I'm beginning to talk about the devil, I'm going to ask you to hang with me just a moment. For you see, the devil, evil, is the one who is yelling at us and telling us to sit down in our seat as we begin to live out and reach out and express the grace of Christ. So when we heard the devil, we think of a red guy with horns and spiky tail and pitchfork. We think of old Flip Wilson show where he passes the blame for every bad thing that he does. The devil made me do it. Or there's C.S. Lewis in his classic book, The Screwtape Letters, who reminds us we are prone <laughs> not to take the devil seriously at all. So let's reframe this whole quote-unquote devil thing. To begin with, if you believe in Jesus and His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, you believe in a spiritual world. If you believe in Christ but don't believe in a spiritual world, then what you're doing is indicating that you really don't believe Jesus is who He says He is. Because Jesus talks and lives within a spiritual realm. To say we are Christians is to acknowledge that there are realities that we cannot see that are going on around us. Just like in a family of a couple who get married. 
Paul, Paul calls these principalities and powers in Romans and against the cosmic powers in the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places in our text today. And friends, those forces seep, seep into our earthly realm as expressions of evil in the forms of bigotry, violence, disunity, factional rivalries, greed, hubris. I could go on and on. Evil seeps under the door very gradually. We often think evil is the big ticket items. Are the big ticket items? No. Evil is much more simple. And this is what Paul is warning us about. Evil will manifest itself in the church, in our communities, in our homes, in our offices. And Paul wants us to be prepared, strong in the Lord. He wants us to stand up against the wiles of the devil. Now, what is the wiles of the devil? I love the that Don't wiles. When was the last time you used wiles? Dan, have you used that in the court, courtroom, the wiles of your client? Yep, maybe so. Man. But wiles, we don't, get, we don't hear that, that term very much. So for our weekly New Testament word of the week, it's wiles. And I did a little looking at that word, and it's interesting because it's the root word that we get our English word for method. Or the word method. So Paul is saying, prepare yourself for the various methods. The various ways evil will wrestle with you. How do we do that? Paul says in our text, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Each of those accoutrements that Paul speaks about are defensive in nature. Did you notice that? They're defensive in nature, save the sword of the Spirit, which can go offense or defense. But the picture is standing firm, protecting ourselves. Put on your armor, church. Be prepared to defend yourself from the evil, the subtlety that will make its way up under your front door. Be alert, Paul tells us. Because the evil that we encounter will sow itself subtly, subtly in our lives. So for example, you don't have to kill someone with a gun when you can destroy them with well-placed lies in the form of gossip. You can kill a person that way. Just, just as easy. It's the subtle things. Evil's methods are subtle. And it will do whatever it can to thwart us and the church in accomplishing its mission, which is to express grace to the world. Now, our text, Paul... Uh, as Paul reminding us that we are to defend ourselves and we are to be intentionally 
defending ourselves. But there's a little bit in here where he wants us to go on the offense. And it's not with weapons. How do we do that, Paul? Paul says, persevere in prayer for the saints. Persevere in prayer for the saints. That's all y'all. You're the saints. You're the holy ones set apart by God when you said yes to Jesus. He says, pray for your church leaders so that we don't get mired down in the minutia of busy work, but are freed up to boldly speak the winsome good news of the gospel to fellow members of the church and to the community. Friends, when we say yes to Jesus, in ways we don't know, there is an automatic no that gets voiced in the heavenly realms that we don't hear. And it's that voice of evil telling us, sit back down in your seat. You're rocking the boat, church. Friends, there are consequences when we're faithful in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So our homework this week. I want you this week to go home and inspect your armor. Inspect your armor. Those of you that used to be or are in the military, you know that you have to check your equipment all the time. You need to put together that rifle blindfolded if you have to. Because if it's clean, if it's where it's supposed to be, you're going to be safe. This week, let's inspect our armor. Examine your faith and note where it needs to be fixed up a little bit. Think about the methods evil is attempting to subtly involve you in. And lastly, beloved, pray for each other. Please pray for each other. Pray, pray for the saints. Pray for your pastors that we can boldly declare the gospel, the winsome news of Christ. Pray for your church leaders, your elders, your deacons, for wisdom, courage, discernment. That's how we take it to the field. We pray. Now, if you will agree to this homework, then I want you to do something. I want you to declare right now, amen. You're going to do your homework? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Spirit of God, we are so grateful for this day. What a hard text. 
Lord, the evil one does everything that he can to have us sit down in the old seat instead of allowing us to get out and move for the grace of the gospel. Lord, empower us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to be prepared for the wiles, the methods of the evil one in the world. We ask this in Jesus' precious name as we pray for each other. Amen.